This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. As we head toward tomorrow's federal election, many Zoomers are feeling fed up and ignored. We'll find out why. And groundbreaking work from McGill University on how to get seniors off unnecessary drugs. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the crew, I ask that you please direct your attention to the monitors above as we review the emergency procedures. You won't be hearing that greeting anymore from Air Canada. The airline has dropped ladies and gentlemen in favor of a gender-neutral welcome, making the switch to include customers who identify as gender X. You'll now hear everybody, or tout le monde, to be more inclusive. The announcement has been met with some backlash on social media with users commenting that the change is unnecessary. The policy change comes four months after the government began to allow citizens to mark their gender as non-binary X rather than male or female on their passports. A man who was the oldest known person living with HIV has died. The 100-year-old man died in his sleep in Portugal this week. Doctors say this case serves as an important reminder that the illness is not a death sentence and that you can still experience healthy aging while living with this chronic disease. Vermont Senator and Democratic presidential candidate Bernie Sanders says he's recovering quickly after suffering a heart attack. And I also want to say that I am feeling great. Uh, I'm getting my endurance back uh, and I look forward uh, to getting out on the campaign trail. The 78-year-old posted a video online and also used the opportunity to further push his Medicare for All plan, warning that many people don't have the level of health coverage that he has and that many Americans skip trips to the doctor all the time over fears they can't afford the medicine or procedures they need, a message he repeated at this week's Democratic presidential leaders' debate. A University of Toronto study suggests elderly people with dementia who become agitated or aggressive will calm down more with massage, touch therapy, and music therapy instead of medication. Aggression and agitation are serious problems in older people with dementia. And although medications are often used, some can have negative side effects, including an increased risk of stroke and death. Jane Fonda was arrested at the U.S. Capitol while peacefully protesting climate change. Yeah, 
The 81-year-old actress and activist was handcuffed and escorted into a police vehicle. She was one of 16 people arrested for unlawfully protesting. The incident harks back to Fonda's days as a political activist during the Vietnam era. She earned the nickname Hanoi Jane after being photographed sitting on a North Vietnamese anti-aircraft gun on a 1972 visit to Hanoi. This time, she was released hours after her arrest. I'm Libby Zneimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Canadians go to the polls tomorrow after a polarizing campaign. Short on issues and long on personal attacks is the way many people describe it. And for the Zoomer demographic, there's an overriding feeling of frustration because of the sense that we've been ignored or taken for granted. With only hours left, I'm checking in with our Zoomer vote panel, Peter Mugridge, senior editor at Zoomer magazine, and David Kravitz, vice president of Zoomer Media, and our guru on all things demographic. I've been monitoring the results, the comments on our Facebook site, and it, it, it started to get very negative about how uh, seniors' issues weren't being represented. No one was doing a good job speaking to them. And the two leaders were in a sort of a slugfest against each other and completely ignoring the issues. Both the Liberals and the Conservatives and the others did have a seniors platform. The Liberals say that they will increase old age security for people over 75 by 10%, and they'll also increase the uh, survivor benefits of CPP. Those things are significant. The Conservatives announced an income tax cut for people making less than 47,000. They said they'd increase the age credit on your tax form, and also they'll cut the HST on home heating bills, which is significant. So where does it come from that they haven't addressed seniors' issues? Is that just not enough? Well, I think that it's not enough. And and what I hear from the you know our readers is that this addresses sort of very low-income senior, but we don't see anything on reforming the mandatory RIF withdrawal rules. We don't see anything on health care. We don't see anything on cost of living, caregiving. Caregiving. Another, another big area, another big miss by all the parties. You know, not all, David, not all seniors fit into that category of OAS recipients who need that extra money, right? This this is part of the problem, right? The the problem is also the difference between left brain and right brain. So left brain is, hey, seniors, what do we got? And all the parties sit down in the back room. And I'm not saying they're cynical about it, but here's the bone we're going to throw. Let's do this one. Let's do that one. We've checked that box. Move on. Now I get into the national debate on TV, and I'm talking about... Many, many other issues, some of which, uh, no matter how critical they are, represent significantly smaller uh, amounts of the population. And then the big sweeping stuff that affects every senior, they don't talk about. The parties really don't understand or don't want to understand what's really happening with this Let, Listen to some of these comments we got. We're being so badly ignored. The government is just waiting for us all to die. Wow. No one, no uh, that's one, that's no, pretty extreme. No one gives an expletive about seniors, you know, like we're we're getting that kind of comment, you know, over and over again. Affordability is one of the main themes of the campaign. Mm -hmm. So is that not resonating because it's too general or what? The word affordability affects so many people in so many different ways. So if you're serious about affordability, 
and we represent uh, over 50% of all adults, and you're spending more time talking about younger families or uh, university tuition or indigenous people who are mathematically smaller groups, and then your answer to affordability is one or two things for the very poorest, which is great. I mean, it's it's important. Yeah, we're not but saying these things aren't important. They're all right? good. Right. They're all yeah. good. But are they really sort of getting the whole thing? Do they look like they really understand the it? big strategy? The yeah, big and they don't. They yeah. look like they're just passing through. And on the way through, they dropped a few breadcrumbs because that's what they have to do. And they checked that box. And now let's talk about what we really want to talk about, which mm-hmm. is everything else. There's been a lot made of the fact that for the first time, the pool of millennial voters is bigger than the pool of boomers. Yes. Is that the thinking? Well, there's there's two fundamental problems here. First of all, the uh, the age of the baby boomers is 55 to 75, which leaves people from 75 to 100 plus who are not boomers, who are not being counted, but who are voters. So the number one is that if you cut it off with that definition, you you produce a false picture. But also, I do think that the politicians skew younger, and they all have a very one-dimensional view of quote-unquote seniors as old, frail, poor, but they don't really have much understanding of the diversity. They don't understand that uh, this group is not retiring on schedule at 65, that to Peter's point, RIF withdrawals, tax, income taxes, 65-plus pays more in income taxes than 18 to 35 mm. in income taxes. Yeah. They, they outnumber the taxpayers yeah. and the dollars. So they're very interested in tax savings and so on and what's happening to their, not only their retirement savings, but their earnings potential. None of that, there's no sign that any of the parties have the faintest idea of anything that I just said. You know, millennials, younger vote, it's the hot market. You know, no one really wants to, to go after the, the seniors at the polls. Like, they're, they're you take them for granted that they're going to show up and they're going to vote. Well, they are. You're right. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the millennials are a much more um, fickle group. So that's why Trudeau is really going after them because he, he needs them like he had them in the last election. But in some ways, this reflects what we see in the business side. They're all working off an obsolete model. And that model affects business as well. That's why business underspends against mm-hmm. Zoomers and overspends against yeah. millennials who are broke and can't generate any sales for anybody. And then the politicians are locked in to an obsolete model. They just don't understand the age group. But I don't think people felt like this last election, did they? Well, I mean, uh, Trudeau had a, had a very... Uh, you know, senior-friendly uh, platform, which he, he unveiled at CARP. I mean, exactly. Yeah. But this year, it's a forgotten demo, for sure. Older voters feel ignored by the two front-running leaders, and only 12% said no, they didn't feel ignored. So wow. it's, it's overwhelming. And, and, and I've, I've heard it all throughout the election, but, but more so near the end of it. It's, it's just, why aren't, why aren't our issues being addressed? Anything uh, you want to leave us with? Before the big day tomorrow. <laughs> get I, out and vote. Get out and vote, yeah. Don't make any assumptions. Yeah. Your Every vote counts. It is important. And we, you know, the, and I mean that because we keep saying every time we're on the air uh, here for this group votes, this group votes, our cohort votes, our cohort controls the election. Well, here's your chance to make that yeah. true. Don't stay home. <laughs> don't stay <laughs> and don't, home. And don't be discouraged by the negative uh, forces out there. Right. Just just get out and vote. Do your thing. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much, David Kravitz.
and Peter Muggeridge. Thanks, Libby. Thank you. That was Peter Muggeridge of Zoomer Magazine and our demographic guru, David Kravitz. Out of three Canadians over the age of 65 take at least five different prescription medications. One out of four take at least 10. With every additional drug, there's also an increased risk of adverse reactions like memory problems and falls. Now a team of researchers at McGill University has come up with an online tool to figure out which drugs can be stopped safely. I reached Dr. Todd Lee, Associate Professor of Medicine at McGill University. That is the reality of modern medicine. It doesn't necessarily have to be that way, but as we've become more successful at treating more conditions, people are living longer, people are accruing medications, and we're using medications in ways that weren't necessarily intended uh, when they came on market. So this has been accruing probably over the last 20 or 30 years, and, and we're just seeing more of a burden, you know, in, in 2019. What does that mean for the likelihood of adverse drug reactions? Well, adverse drug reactions and adverse drug events are complicated. Certainly, the more medications that you're taking, the more likely you are to have an adverse effect of those medications, just statistically. And then the combination of different medications, you know, further increases your risk of having an effect that maybe can't be pinned on one of them, but is, you know, related to multiple medications. I think we don't necessarily, you know, study these medications in complex patients who are taking 10. We study them in patients who are taking a a few medications. And so we realize only later that that there's the potential for adverse events, you know, when we're exposing people to 10 medications. What is your tool and, and how does it address this situation? We looked at whether we could use software to identify these opportunities where doctors in the hospital, when the patients are admitted and and at their most vulnerable, might reassess the the necessity of of continuing all of these medications and might choose to talk about stopping some of them with the patients. How is that different from deprescribing? Deprescribing is a process where patients are encouraged to review the meds that they're on and get rid of the ones that they don't necessarily need to be on any longer. Essentially, what, what we did in this study and what we've been doing is is identifying opportunities for deprescribing. You know, many people are doing deprescribing in 2019. What What we did, which was a little bit different, was we automatically kind of highlighted the potentially high-yield medications for these teams in hospital, and that, you know, helped them achieve the aims of deprescribing more medications. Why is it so difficult? And I believe it is difficult, and in many cases, the patients are unwilling to come off drugs. It is very difficult. There are probably a number of reasons why that is. One reason has to do with the kind of discomfort people have when they they think to themselves, what if I stop this medication and something bad happens? Okay, so there's, there's many medications that people start for a, a very good reason at some time in their life. And then, um, you know, years go by and, and other things happen. And the benefit of that medication that they were taking 10 years ago and continue to take today 
may not be there anymore. We may not understand more about the science or there may be some sort of competing medical problem that the patient has where there's no benefit. But, but there's this real fear that says, hey, if I stop that medication, maybe something is going to happen to the patient. So that's one reason. Another reason is people are really busy and sometimes it takes a lot of time to really understand what the medications are doing for the patient and to kind of go through that conversation and to discuss how you would stop them. And so when, when people are really busy, it, it sometimes becomes easier to renew prescriptions or continue on continuing on as opposed to have a, a thoughtful you know, discussion. I think that you know you you are seeing right now in 2019 kind of a a cultural change maybe that we didn't see five or even ten years ago where where more patients and more families and more more uh, physicians and pharmacists are thinking, hey maybe we can cut down on some of the burdensome medications to allow you to you know minimize your risk of side effect and be better at taking the medications that do matter to your quality of life. Dr. Todd Lee, thank you so much for being with us. All right. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Thank you so much. That was Dr. Todd Lee of McGill University. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thank you for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive Producer, Moses Neimer. Produced by Christine Ross, Paul Thomas, Faz Kazi, and Justin Eacock. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.